So it sounds like another road trip, McGee. We yeah. are turning into America's guests. We yes, <laughs> and we'll just we'll, our remote setup. I think if, if Tim could fit that <laughs> microphone in his luggage, I, I think we can go about anywhere. Yeah, yeah. If you can get a brand, I'll help you guys sell brand on that. On can that you mic. get us a spot on think? Radio Row? <laughs> you might want to get us two spots because of the size of this microphone. <laughs> Welcome to Wait, What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee. This is the podcast where we take a sometimes irreverent, sometimes cynical, and on occasion, serious look at the business of sports. We have made it to another milestone, our 40th episode, and they said it wouldn't last or that they hoped it wouldn't last, something like that. Not sure what. Anyway, I, for one, am proud of getting to number 40 with having taken only one week off since launching this podcast on January 15th of this year. I'm your co-host, David Barrow. And I'm Tim McGee. You know, Tim, it seems the only certain things in the sports biz each week are that we'll be putting out another episode and another big-name celebrity will be investing into pickleball. But it's time for me to ask you what's on your mind, and I'm guessing it's not pickleball. It wasn't going to be, but then, you know, it's like, you know, don't think about the white elephant, right? Now that's all I can think about. <laughs> no, I wanted to give a shout out to Major League Soccer, which um, continues to do well. They Their playoffs started this past weekend. They surpassed uh, 10 million uh, attendees this past season, far surpassing um, what they did in 2019, the first year before COVID, where they had 8.6 million people coming through the turnstile. So that's a, that's a pr- pretty significant Jump! Um, congratulations to Atlanta FC. Averaged over forty-seven thousand fans per game, the highest, um, highest in the league. And uh, they, you know, they had the highest viewership ever on TV, which is, um, which is, you know, pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, comes as we have discussed on the in the past, on the eve of MLS going from from ESPN and cable to fully streaming on Apple. And then the last, you know, sort of data point I want to hit on was that they had a 65% increase in social following over the last year. So everything is trending really well for the league. So kudos to commissioner Garber and the rest of the rest of the official executives at the MLS. A lot of things are moving in the right direction for them. And they planned this when we had Chris Schlosser on the uh, on the podcast some time ago, um, you know, he he laid the groundwork. He talked about some of the things that were happening and that this is really the beginning. And given the distribution the deal they have with Apple coming up and what that will mean from a regional sports net or lack of regional sports network standpoint, it's going to be really exciting to see what uh, what is in store. One thing that, you know, I really noticed, not that, you know, not that we hadn't seen it coming, but this post-COVID fan uh, rabidity is so powerful now, uh, and you see it everywhere. Whatever event in Major League Baseball, I think had you know some of the uh, you know Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia was rocking like I, you rarely see a baseball park rock, and uh, and fans are just back. And and speaking of soccer, in addition to MLS, uh, NWSL drew major playoff crowds uh, starting this weekend. The um, San Diego Wave, who defeated the Chicago Red Stars 2-1, um, had uh, 26,000, over 26,000 uh, at their uh, at their match. And the Houston Dash boasted a sellout crowd of uh, over 21,000 at PNC Stadium. 
Uh, and this is obviously in light of the, um, you know, the news that broke uh, recently on uh, NWSL and the, the scandals coming out of the Yates report. So um, just, I think, encouraging overall from an attendance standpoint and just see that these crowds are just back in full, full force uh, and vocal. And um, it's exciting to see. Uh, and honestly, as I look back on the COVID period, um, I thought the I thought the ramp was going to be a little longer to get back into where we are now, uh, based on just the serious seriousness of the shutdown, particularly in people wanting to be out in the in these environments, at least in full force, like they are, uh, and they are. And I think overall, that's just bodes very well for uh, everything in our industry. Yeah, it's interesting because. Um... You know, I thought I was having this conversation this morning with Steve and Chris, a former guest, and uh, I was saying to him that we are it was in another context. But I said we are done with COVID, even if COVID is not done with us. Right. So people are now going back into stadiums and arenas, um, knowing full well what the risks are and being willing to assume those risks. So I'm not sure if I thought it was going to take this long for people to get back, but I am not surprised by what uh, by what we're seeing in terms of attendance numbers. But it's great to see with the NWSL um, because, as we have talked about over the last couple of uh, episodes, w- what was going on with some of the behavior of coaches and executives in the league. Yeah. I think I, you know, recognize that fans would want to go back. The thing I thought would happen is a little more um, distancing or some degree of, of you know, kind of, just being within your own groups a little more. Um, but that hasn't been the case. People are doing what they always loved about sports is just being in part of a community that is supporting a team and getting as raucous as, as, uh, as you can. Uh, and certainly we're seeing that across the NFL. We're seeing that in the major league baseball playoffs, uh, even though they had some degree of attendance issues in some markets, uh, during the league and, and good to see MLS and NWSL, um, taking advantage of that as well. So I just mentioned uh, NFL and their numbers continue to be really strong, but uh, I want to go back to a story that we've touched on from time to time. It's been another one of our favorite topics, and that is the uh, seemingly uh, unending saga of Daniel Snyder and his ownership tenure with the Washington Commanders. And it took a weird turn last week, so much so that Al Michaels even talked about it on the Thursday night broadcast (laughs) during that horrendous football game between what the is Bears it with the, Thursday night games I, I feel I feel not that there's that much to feel bad for Amazon about but I kind of feel bad about them they've had such horrendous games but Michaels as he is such a pro is making the best of it and and to this point on um on Thursday night that he obviously with Amazon being a partner and previously when he was the Sunday night guy on on uh for NBC you know, you don't talk about the dirt very often. You don't see that on actual broadcasts. He brought this up. He brought the Snyder storyline up, which is that as rumors were starting to get out there again, that perhaps the league had the votes to try to remove him, or there was growing sentiment to try to remove him because of the distraction that he had become and because of the investigations that are ongoing both in Congress and at the league, that he comes out or reportedly comes out to someone, and ESPN broke this story, that he had dirt on enough, he had dirt on Goodell and he had dirt on enough owners to bring the NFL down. So um, 
Michael's brought that up on the broadcast, which I thought was fascinating. And a lot of people are saying that Michael's doesn't do that without it being known that he was going to do it. Like he's speaking for someone, perhaps the league that, uh, that it would, uh, be mentioned that way. And I think what a lot of people like we had in the Sarver situation, we've had in, uh, these other, other deals that everybody's wish is that he just go away. So yeah. It's, it's uh, not only did he have dirt, it's not like it was just given to him or it showed up in a plain manila envelope, right? He apparently, <laughs> you know, paid investigators to get dirt on people like commissioner Goodell, Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones and others. So I agree with you. I don't, I don't think anything makes it to the broadcast without it being vetted on some level. I'm not saying that the NFL controls, and I don't think you're saying the NFL controls what Al Michaels or any announcer says, but there are certain topics that typically aren't covered on a broadcast. That would be one that usually would not be covered. It was, and I do think that there was some, you know, some discussion among, you know, the executives and, and, at Amazon and the league. And uh, perhaps Al Michaels is at the point in his career where he's taking the Bob Costas approach, where he's just saying whatever's on his mind, right? The, right. the check is cleared, right? Um, but apparently the, you know, the owners are meeting this week and they are going to be discussing the $790 million settlement that the league has made to St. Louis for the for the move uh, of the Cardinals from St. Louis several years ago to or, or the Rams several years ago, <laughs> excuse me. It's not going back that far to the Cardinals. Yeah. League. <laughs> that, that was a serious <laughs> dating of ourselves. Yeah. You, uh, you remember Larry Wilson, the safety? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently Jim Bakken was not happy with the move, but, um, but uh, Jim Hart was um, no, but uh, the Rams, the Rams move from St. Louis, to LA where the where Stan Kroenke the owners of the Rams owner of the Rams promised to pay whatever penalties or payments that were going to be required to be made to the city of St. Louis and the league wound up paying 790 million dollars now he's like well I'm up I didn't agree to pay that so apparently that's going to be on the agenda this week with the the owners meeting but it's not going to be whether or not Danny Boy as you like to refer to <laughs> off air um well now it's, it's on air it, apparently yeah, it's gonna is gonna be forced to to sell the team that's a very big step for the league to do right because you know they're but for the grace of god type thing with the, the other well, owners you, you said that a couple of weeks ago and I, i'm not sure i would say it is there but for the grace of god as much as because that sounds a little more noble that sounds as though you're being sympathetic to somebody uh that's fallen on hard times i think in this case it's like I don't want the I don't want this dirt being aired, right? But I know that's kind of what you meant, but you put it in such a, a very kind politic way. Yeah, but that is what is interesting and I found it funny that that was kind of the lead defense. Now, if he did pay, if he did pay investigators, I imagine all of the owners you know have some degree of knowledge about what the other, you know, what others are weak spots are, right? Interestingly, Snyder's biggest offender among league presidents has been Jerry Jones, at least as I understand it in terms of mm -hmm. supporting some of the things that he's, uh, uh, he's doing or, or going through, but it is, you're, you're right. It is a big step to take, um, to, uh, push for the removal of a fellow owner for all the reasons that you have, uh, that you've mentioned, but there certainly, uh, would not be surprising that their desire 
is to have this guy go away. It seems as though he's been a constant distraction. The organization has been a weak uh, organization uh, for a long time in a market that used to have a really tremendous football following, um, and I think still does, but uh, it has not been uh, anything that has been on the uptick uh, during his tenure, except for maybe the time that he, you know, he brought Gibbs back for a, for a short period. Yeah, I was, I was reading an article the other day, and, and the franchise is not trending well in terms of viewership numbers, attendance, even anecdotally, you know, listening to, to sports talk radio hosts in the DC area, there just doesn't seem to be as much interest in in the team as there was in the past. I'm not saying that his uh, that his investment hasn't paid off handsomely, and if he were to sell the club, he wouldn't make a lot of money based on his original purchase price. But there there is a question as to whether or not what has historically been one of the most storied franchises in the NFL isn't fully realizing its potential value from having um, Dan Snyder as its owner. Interestingly, in the same article, they... <laughs> They were basically saying that the that the team has has blamed Bruce Allen, their former president, um, for all of basically all of the things that were happening in the organization. He let a sort of a fraternity culture develop, which I take offense to, having lived in a fraternity for several years in college. <laughs> um, we, we we ran our operation much more smoothly uh, and professionally than the commanders did. I have no doubt that there probably are things that they could point to that happened uh, under Allen's watch, but that's never that's never an excuse as we're learning through all these other things, whether it's the Phoenix Sun situation, you know, or any of these other, uh, you know, leagues or in the NWSL situation. It's just yeah. not. And that it, it is some of the worst scapegoating I think I've ever seen at this level, how much they're they're planning on on trying to um, bury Allen on this. And we know that we know some of the stuff with Allen because it came out uh, with some of the Gruden stuff during during that whole situation. Anyway, uh, I think before we take our guest or welcome in our new guest, that it'd be a good day to do a uh, quick uh, spotlight on sponsorship. So I'm going to let you kick that off. How do we feel about these sponsorship deals? Well, it's one of those interesting times where you and I both... Uh independently of one another came up with the same the same topic but um fc barcelona one of the most valuable uh clubs in the world has a uh, a kit sponsorship with spotify so they typically appear on the front of the jersey and they're also on the name of the stadium but for this past weekend's uh, el clasico between real madrid and fc barcelona spotify and, and fcb took the unique step of replacing Spotify on the front of the jersey with uh, the the Ovo Owl, which is the logo for uh, the Canadian rapper Drake. Um, talk about oxymoronic, right? Canadian rapper or hip-hop artist, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I don't expect our listeners to take me seriously when it comes to talking about hip-hop when I was just waxing poetic about the 1970s st louis cardinals football club so anyway interesting story if you want to take it over on why they replaced spotify on the front of the jersey well it really is an interesting story and barca got uh got it handed to him yesterday by uh, by real madrid and that el clasico by the way um but no it, it's such it's indicative to me and why i think we were both attracted to the story of where 
partnerships are going and the merging of sponsorship and distribution and media outlets that Spotify's on the kit, but Drake was the first artist to get to 50 billion Spotify streams. I mean, 50 billion. I mean, that's, that's more than we have. Yeah. Wait, and, what? <laughs> can you believe it? The Canadian rapper Drake. Um, and so they put it up, by the way, the kit looked pretty sweet. I have to say with that, uh, with that logo on it, but what, what this excites me about, um, you know, what we're going to see in the evolution of these type of partnerships, be it with Apple's MLS deal and what they could do in terms of additional information or bringing these other core products and services to the table. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's just neat. I think it's, uh, it's just different than the traditional, here's a product and it's staying on here. There are unique things that can be done, um, unique new techniques to engage. Um, and uh, it got my attention. So uh, so kudos to everybody involved in doing something interesting like this. We'll have to see uh, if it continues or if they're going to do it as, as a regular story as, as new artists eclipse major milestones like, uh, like Drake did. But 50 billion, that's pretty stout. So I would say two, two things before we uh, break for our guest. Number one, um, to take the, the the sponsorship to another level, they actually put the number 50 on each of the players' uh, warm-up jerseys on the back, which I thought was a cool little touch, right? It was that attention to detail that really good sponsorship people pay attention to. And the other thing I want to say is Spotify, if you're listening to this, we are more than happy to provide you with any artwork you might need. Right. If you'd like to put wait what on the front of the Jersey going forward. Right. Um, for, and, our, and, for our 50th downloads. Right. <laughs> you and won't even the, have to redo the practice jersey. And in the 50. interest, and in the interest of fairness, we'll do an episode and talk about Spotify. We'll give our playlists and things like that, because we're sure that most people are interested in uh, in that information, so we'd be happy to do that. Maybe even have a guest. So, reach out. Let's talk. Uh, absolutely, game for that. With that, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with the guest shortly. It's time for our guest. We are really pleased to have our our next guest for the fortieth episode. Steve Zen is the executive vice president of the Pac-12 Network. He has had a long and storied career in sports going back to IMG, where he spent many years. He was also chief revenue officer of the WTA um, before returning to IMG Endeavor. And then finally, his uh, current role at the Pac-12 Networks. Steve and I go back a long ways. Um, he is also a, a lecturer at Stanford University. Um, David did not know that, but he is wearing Stanford red today. <laughs> Or maybe he did know because David is always much better prepared for our guests than I. Oh am. no, I thought about it. I actually thought yeah. about it. Okay, and uh, and most importantly to me, Steve was one of the inspirations for our weekly Nice Guy Awards. That for those of you who follow me on LinkedIn, see. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Before we get started, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, you know, when we originally had you uh, booked as a guest. Um, you know, we, we talked about some of the things that you were willing to talk about and some of the things that you were unable to talk about, as most of our listeners probably know, um, the PAC 12 is in a pretty fluid situation right now. And so there are some things that we're just not going to be able to talk about today. We're, we're not avoiding them. We're not ignoring them. We just want to be respectful of the situation that you and, and the conference 
uh, find yourself in and hopefully someday in the very near future we'll be able to have have you back on and and talk about the great things going forward with the pac-12 yeah thank you tim and david i uh, really appreciate you guys having me on and appreciate the sensitivities and also uh, yeah D uh, tim and i go way way back so we have a lot of history so it's fun to, to join you guys today and david thanks for wearing your stanford red you got it it's almost cornell red but not quite and steve so you know so you know david has a link to cornell his son Drew uh, graduated last year from the School of Industrial Labor Relations, is now working in New York City. So even when you don't think I can get a connection to Cornell on this show, I do it. Well, my daughter too, Tim. So there's That's true. Things. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. This is, That's a lot you, of money you always, you've written to the, you, to, to the you big always red, drop this. You always drop this stuff at this moment, not in advance, uh, <laughs> which is smart. Smart strategically, I'll have to say. <laughs> So, Steve, let's get started. I want to talk about NIL, right? Uh, yeah. We're about a year and a half into the brave new world of name, image, and likeness, uh, something that the Pac-12 and your member institutions have embraced. So how, has, how have you seen NIL help student-athletes and the member institutions over the past years? And have you seen any – there's been a lot of unforeseen uh, consequences, most of which have, have been positive, actually, but have you seen – any uh, any negative impacts of, of NIL in the year and a half since student athletes have been able to profit from it? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is it's still evolving, right? It, it went into effect July 1 of last year, and uh, everybody overnight had to figure out how do I deal with this at a collegiate level, at a student level, a coach level, across the board. I think it's been a positive, and I support the name, image, and likeness rights for, for – um, for student athletes to actually <clears throat> monetize their brand. Uh, so I think that's positive. I still think that uh, things need to evolve just to, to keep it a little more consistent and streamline things across the board. Cause right now it's still a little bit of the wild, wild west, uh, but that that's going to happen. It has to happen over time. It just, it just came out of nowhere where the floodgates were open. And generally our student athletes, I think are positive. The ones who've been able to uh, put together deals and actually uh, get some branding and get some sort of compensation. I think they've uh, actually appreciated it. I was going to say, I think the biggest thing about NIL is that we haven't seen the the death of collegiate sports as some had direly predicted. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought a lot of do dollars would shift and um, not at all. I think it's just an additional um, element that allows students and brands to actually associate with each other. I think it was uh, inevitable it was coming this way. And so now it's here. Nice to kind of hear the uh, embracing of it. Uh, obviously, it's a big difference, big changes uh, going on. But, um, you know, and I think what what fans want to make sure is that it's not leading to competitive imbalance and things like that, that uh, that it could. But I know a lot of people are thinking on it. And uh, the experience that I've had with doing NIL deals actually has been, uh, to tell you the truth, more positive than I anticipated going into yeah. it. So that's all good. I want to take a big step back and talk uh, somewhat strategically here about what is your story? What is your approach to uh, bringing new partners into the Pac-12 and and working with existing partners to talk about um, you know where the where the conference is going you know moving forward. Sure, sure, absolutely. Good question, David. Taking a step back, when I first started on May nineteenth, uh, nineteen uh, two thousand and nineteen, I came in a little nervous because uh, you know there was a lot of press, oftentimes negative about the Pac-12. You hear about our lack of distribution, no direct TV. Uh, lack of winning championships, 
um, all those different things uh, is pretty negative coming in. And um, so when I came in, I decided, let's just look at it differently. What do we represent that no one else has, whether it's collegiate in the collegiate space or pro space or anything in the way of forms of entertainment? And so I looked at really, I focused on the Pac-12 footprint. When you look at our, our markets, we have seven of the top 12, 20 metros in the United States. We have an amazing lifestyle that people aspire to that, uh, that thrives on the West Coast. When you look at our markets, LA, San Francisco, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, you look at the amazing demographics, two, two constituents. One, our alumni are as affluent and highly educated as any audience of any property anywhere. And I've got stats to support that. And then you look at our students that are graduating you know, from these incredible schools. We've talked about Stanford and Cal and across the board, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and SC. I mean, it's amazing uh, group of kids that come out every year. And the other thing is they're, uh, they're starting businesses. They're creating businesses across the board. So I pulled all those different stats out and use that now to pitch us and don't talk about the negative thing. And despite SC and UCLA leaving in two years, we're still very bullish about our 10 schools that are here remaining because the footprint is like any other footprint. And sometimes we talk about our time zone, the West Coast, we're three hours behind the East Coast. Yeah, that probably hurts us, but there's no one else that's producing and distributing content at that time. That segment is still really critical for a lot of broadcasters and media partners. So that's how we spun it. And um, it's actually worked really well, David. <laughs> We've done better than I expected. Yeah, I, it's important on this show that we call out. We haven't had to do this in a while, but you said that was a great question. That was that was actually Tim's as an intro question that uh, that he, I guess, felt comfortable that I would be able to ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just want to give credit where credit is. Dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank uh, you, David. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a great question. It was a good question. So <laughs> Steve was honest. It wasn't a great question. It was a good question. But, oh, yeah. but I aspire to great questions. But thank you for giving credit where credit is due. Because, Steve, to be honest with you, there have been times in the past where I've taken credit for David's questions. But he is always much more <laughs> magnanimous than I am. Uh, so you have your football championship or you had your football championship last year at Las Ve in Las Vegas. It is returning to Las Vegas this year. What has having... Uh, the football championship in a city like Las Vegas done for the PAC 12 brand. And what are the plans going forward? Will you continue to have it in, in Allegiant stadium? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's been a game changer, to be honest. Uh, we have now not only our football championship game, it's coming up December 2nd at Allegiant. We have uh, both of our men and women's basketball tournaments there as well in March. And it's interesting. All three of our major championships, because again, we run all the championships, the PAC 12 conference happen to be in Las Vegas. And it's been great because it's <clears throat> when you think about Las Vegas and our footprint, it's a very central spot, particularly for anybody to get to. And even our basketball tournament, when all the teams go there, it's very easy to get to. And the weather's always good. It's interesting because when it's in December and March, the everyone is excited to go to Las Vegas, whether it's our clients or it's the guest of clients and our sponsors. It's amazing because there's, it's so easy to go to, and, and it's a trifecta there. So we have our, you guys need to come out, but we have our hotel where we stay at the MGM in Manly Bay. You walk across the street to tailgate, and then you walk to the venues. It's really so easy. You don't have to drive. You don't have to worry about anybody. And then afterwards, all the guests can go to dinner, or they can go do other things in Vegas, as you know. 
And it's just uh, everyone's happy. So <laughs> it's really worked out well. You don't and have, we have to. Both your deal. So we'll, we'll be there for uh, hopefully uh, many more years. So it sounds like another road trip, McGee. We yeah. are turning into America's guests. We, yes. <laughs> and we'll just, we'll, you know, we'll do uh, our remote setup, I think. <laughs> If Tim could fit that microphone in his luggage, I think we can go about anywhere. Yeah, yeah. If you can get a brand, I'll help you guys sell a brand on that. On can that you mic. get us a spot on thing. Radio Row? <laughs> you might want to get us two spots because of the size of this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> to go through security. Well, and in Allegiant Stadium, if you guys haven't been there, it's unbelievable. And they're a partner of ours, and we're so delighted. So we're actually in their house, and uh, it's a beautiful venue. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out there. I was out there not long before it um, opened and when they were doing previews and everything and, and uh, just uh, can't wait to actually see a see a game there. Going back to previous comment that you made in terms of attracting brands and so forth and what your storyline is. College sports is at obviously a very interesting time. The enthusiasm is expanding. It seems the intensity is there and all sports brands are looking at their global footprint or potential global footprint. You know, what are the plans for the Pac-12 to expand beyond the borders of not just the West Coast, but the nation? And then what is the offering, do you think, going to be to potential brands in all parts of the world? Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, one is uh, because of the prestige of our schools and our universities, we get a lot of international students. So it's been natural for us to actually not only increase distribution, which is basically given our broadcast to rights holders around the world. We do that in Asia. We do that in Europe. We're looking at South America. Uh, and we've also done a number of events. Uh, we've done an annual basketball event to kick off the season in China for a number of years, but that got shut down in the last couple of years uh, because of COVID. And we worked with Alibaba directly. We've been in Europe, uh, many different countries, taking teams over in Australia as well. So we feel like because there's a lot of interest in our schools, and there's a lot of student athletes that are international that uh, folks around the world like to watch them. So we're going to continue to do that. Now, COVID has definitely impacted that for the last couple of years. But the other thing that's interesting is um, when you think about collegiate sports, and you guys know this, it's uh, nowhere in the world has sophistication that we do here in the United States with our collegiate athletes and, and just the competitions. It's just unknown. If you go to London, if you go to China, they're like unheard of that wow, universities have these really good teams. So there's an education point there. Um, but there's so many student athletes uh, in our conference, particularly I think the stat is if we were representing a country, we'd finish fourth at the Olympics based on how many medals our athletes won from our different 12 wow. schools, which is an amazing stat. Yeah, wow. number four. Yeah, it could be five, but it's either four or five every year. And so we're proud of that. So we'll continue to do that, David. We definitely want to push that. There's no question. And the other thing we talked about is media rights. You know, we're in the throes of that right now. Uh, it's public knowledge negotiating our new media rights deal. That will increase our distribution. That will provide more value and exposure, not only for, for the conference, our student athletes, our schools, and even our sponsors and potential new partners. So to, to me, that's, that's going to be awesome on the sales side. You've spent a significant uh, part of your career on the agency side, as we talked about in the introduction, you and I worked together at IMG. How did helping brands leverage their partnerships from an agency role, uh, how does that help you um, as you approach your business on the on the property side, whether it be at the WTA or now yeah. with Pac-12 Networks? Yeah, great, great question. I feel like um, 
for me, I was grounded not only in the brand side, working with brands at the agency side and consulting for them, whether it was Visa, whether it was Kia, whether it was DHL, you really learn how to work with them and solve problems is what I always say. And it connected back to sports and whatever properties they're involved with. But early in my career, I actually worked in activation. You know, I did a number of volleyball events, golf events, marathons, tennis events. So that's where you really get, you know, you, you uh, teeth in and learn the business. So between those two combinations, plus being on the agency side, you're so used to servicing clients. And I think those that work on the agency side, maybe the property side, do really well because you know you've got to keep your clients happy. You have to service them well because you don't want to have to renew them or find a new one every other year. So I think, uh, again, 25 years at IMG, Tim, and that's a long time. So I worked across every property, so many numerous brands. Um, I think that bode well for me and across different industries coming over the property side. And WTA, too, on the property side, that's more global. Uh, but now, you know, we approach, it's always brand first. What are they, what is your partner trying to accomplish? And then how do we find some sort of a solution for that? And and constantly tinkering with that. So definitely it was, it was uh, well worth it being on the agency side. That's a really good perspective, Steve. And, you know, we see people that have done very, very well on the property side that came from the brand side. And I think you just nailed it as to, um, you know, why that, why that can work. Um, because of that background in servicing clients, for sure. I'm going to try to tackle this from a pretty broad perspective. And I do want to say, again, and you got a great question on that one, Tim. So that was... Uh, Thank, that you. Was as well. Thank you. You guys competing Tim, here? Tim, no, we do. We, it's a at massive competition, but this was, you know, this was pretty dominated by... Well, by let, me just, let me just say, Steve, that David writes 90% of the questions that we ask our guests, but my hit rate... Yeah, is higher. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like that. It's not he, about quantity. I, I think he, thank you. Yeah. I, I think he writes with the specific goal of eliciting that comment. I, yeah, I speak yeah, more yeah. to what, just trying to draw out good information. What, right. what should I write with, with the goal of asking banal, trite questions that elicit groans or one word should i ask I, one I, yes no questions i'm not that saying would that, make for compelling i'm not content. i'm not saying that i'm saying that you may be based on your comment by the way and i haven't seen that specific data point that you write questions to get that response versus you know what's a particularly you know great probing question hey, i don't think any of this is true i don't think can any of this is true it's about me today. yeah it, <laughs> <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive i can i, I agree can word questions that you're elicit right great question response uh, as well as great responses themselves i would it's like to, argument, right? i argument. would like to do what our very valuable and important guest uh, would like yeah. us to do and that's get back to talking to him yeah uh, instead of having our own point. issues this is my so <laughs> it is you're right steve it is it is about you <laughs> with all with with all that's going on in college sports and all the talk about ncaa tournament and cfp and all the, all of these things um from a from a thirty thousand foot level, if you did have to look out and look to the future, what is college sports, in your view, going to mean to a fan five years down the road? What major differences might you see uh, coming up? And I think some of that may be what you know. What are you hoping and wishing for as it relates to uh, to the Pac twelve? Okay. Yeah, I could I could spend a lot of time on this question. Um, a good one, David. Yeah. The, uh, there is more. I wrote it. No, I think that one was actually mine. There is more. It was a revamped one, but let's let Steve talk. 
and, okay. and just balls in the air as, it is, as I describe it in the college space than probably any time in the college space. When you look at things we've cited, NIL, transfer portal, CAP expansion, NCAA tournament, realignment, on and on and on, right? Um, and I actually enjoy being in it just because uh, there's never a dull moment, right? You're constantly thinking about what's the right thing to do. And again, it's not me. It's our commissioner. It's executives across every every conference and, and it's it. however um i'm positive that it's going to get better but it's going to take time things don't happen overnight they really don't and um but there's some questions that definitely need to be answered and we need some solutions that i i feel like almost have to come at a national level and it might not even be our our call you know it could be from big, uh, you know it's public information that uh we believe there may be some legislation that's required to help put some guardrails up that will uh, protect all constituents. And then betting's another one. You know, betting's definitely on the surface, on the bubble here, but it's state by state. And so that is not an easy one, but there there is a lot of uh, potential there for sure. So I feel like it's going to happen, um, but it, it, it'll be a positive. I really feel that way in, yeah, in the future, how what it looks like. The thing I worry about a little bit is... Right now, college football is huge, right? It's still really strong. So right behind the NFL as far as viewership. But everything else is dropping. And you look at even my kids, they don't watch a lot of two-hour, four-hour shows of even sports. And they're catching clips and they're catching highlights. And so that linear audience will never go away, but it continues to decrease. So what is that going to look like in five years? That's what I always wonder, too. You know, how you consume and, you know, I think the younger folks, current students, not just student athletes, current students and, and, and recent grads are watching very differently than how we watch the three of us. And that will continue. So we have to stay ahead of that. Can I follow up quickly on that? Uh, yeah. I, know, I know there's big referenda in California in November uh, coming up. And that, that could change you know, things given that so much of your fan base or a large portion of your fan base is in the state of California. What is your general view? What's the conference's general view on uh, sports betting? And do you, do you have deals in place? Apologies if you do. And, I, and I'm not aware of what your deals are in yeah, place, yeah. but do you have no. a perspective on that and what that's going to mean when, when California makes some decisions? Yeah. And again, state by states. I think three of our states and our six state footprint do allow it. But it's interesting, even if you allow sports betting, some states don't allow collegiate betting. And I believe that's accurate in Oregon. You cannot bet on your home teams, which is interesting. Um, yeah, the California one's a big one because there is a lot of fans, a lot of revenue potential here. Um, but we we don't have any betting right now at all uh, at the conference level. We're not allowed to. It's, we have to pass that through our board, which is the presence of our universities. But we think that'll happen down the road eventually. And part of that is the stats I've seen. It's public knowledge, too. There's a lot of money that's wagered on our conference and every conference week in and week out that you don't see. So I think there's some general feeling that why don't we get involved, kind of like the NFL has done, and try to be stewards of it so that everybody gets protected and you put the guardrails up there. So that's like, that is our approach as well. But it takes time, too. Steve, you've been very generous with your time. We know you got to jump to to catch a flight, but before we let you go, we have two questions we like to ask all our guests. So if you'll indulge us for just another couple of minutes, sure. um, first part of the question is: Where'd your career get started? Where'd you start it? 
So I, uh, I loved sports growing up. Wasn't very good at anything. I was a wrestler <laughs> by trade, but I played everything. And I always wanted to get a, uh, I wanted to work in the sports industry, but I started as an engineer, if you guys can believe. I was an ME for the first three years in my collegiate uh, studies, and that was brutal. And uh, so then I did a non-paid internship while I was getting my master's in San Francisco at IMG. Found out they had a little office in San Francisco, and I got hired non-paid. And I worked for four months. I thought it was a complete waste of time. Me and another intern from Stanford actually did it. And finally, I said uh, to the guy that uh, hired me, I said, hey, I got a real job. And I, I'm going to give my two weeks. And this is like on a Friday. And on the Monday, I got called into the conference room. And the big guy who ran the office, the senior VP, uh, and the guy that had hired me said, hey, you know, you're the best intern we've ever had. I don't think they had very many up to that point. And they said, we're moving to San Francisco. We have a new office. We're growing. And we need a receptionist. So we'd like to offer you that. And we'll pay you $18,500, but you get benefits and you get a foot in the door. So I was talking to my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. And we both said, hey, you've worked this hard. ING is a great company. Got to give it a run. And I had another job, so I turned that one down. And so that led to a 25-year career where I ended up actually replacing the most senior guy and uh but that took years and we became best of friends he's actually the godfather eric van dillon one of my greatest mentors uh, to my son and ended up running the office for the last eight years so really started in the mailroom as they say intern and then worked my way up and it's been an unbelievable run yeah. so i feel really lucky along the way the other thing i would say back to your point tim about <clears throat> when you started the nice guy nice gals uh linkedin every Friday, and it was me and, and Mark Tatum. And uh, I always got a lot of notes, a lot of comments from people, God, you're too nice, Steve. Does that hurt you? And I had one boss who said, uh, do you think that hurts you, that people have taken advantage of you? And I said, well, you know, excuse my language, there's a lot of assholes in the world, even at our company. And I feel like if I'm the nice guy, I usually get the benefit of the doubt. And he goes, that's a good answer. So I've always carried that. Which leads into your second question. You, know, you always treat people well at all different levels, right? Whether it's they say this, whether it's the, the guards, the guy at the door, whether it's the uh, restaurant waiter, whether it's a secretary, whether it's the CEO, whatever it is, you treat people the same because you want to be treated the same. And that's carried me a long way. And I've had a number of great interns who've all surpassed me as far as what they're doing today. And because if you treat them well, you know, they stay close to you and, they, and then you help each other. It's all about networking and, and personal relationships. So the golden rule is huge. Taught that from my mom. And I also believe in, uh, you know, staying true to your word. And, and, and that integrity is really, really critical. So there's probably 50 more, Timmy, but those are the ones that I pulled out. No, I think, listen, I think that's fantastic. Uh, you just simply... Every time we speak, you simply reinforce why you were the inspiration for the Nice Guy and Gal Awards. And having been across the table from you and, you know, done deals with you, um, I can say that, you know, don't, to anybody out there, don't mistake kindness for weakness, right? You're not, you're not a pushover when we're doing deals. So um, I, I can't imagine a scenario in which it didn't serve you well. But thank you. Yeah, for being nice enough to to be on this program with us, we we really do appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you, Tim. Dave. Really, really great visiting with you, Steve. Thanks so much, and best of everything to you. Safe Absolutely. travels, and hopefully, we'll see you in Las Vegas. Yeah, and get a new speaker there. All right, <laughs> see you, Timmy. See you, David. Thanks so Take much. Take care. Take care. Thank you. 
All right. So thanks again to Steve Zen from Pac-12 Networks, another great guest. We are so fortunate to get people on the show, David, who are willing to speak to us and put up with some of our nonsense. But uh, it just speaks to uh, what a nice guy Steve is. So uh, this is the time in the show where we look forward. So um, what have you got going on and what are you looking forward to? Yeah, such a nice guy, Steve, that it, it he actually let us sit, sit there and squabble for a little bit before he finally <laughs> said, I'm the guest. <laughs> and he was totally right about that. So, um, yeah, big, big thanks for uh, to Steve for jumping on. Uh, I, I'm super excited about this week because I am heading to Austin for the U.S. Grand Prix, the Aramco U.S. Grand Prix, if uh, being official about it, which is Sunday. And uh, I'll be going down there uh, for a uh, for a client that I've been working on and uh, coming back next week. I hope to be able to talk a lot more about uh, what I've been working on uh, and looking forward to a big, uh, big launch down there of something pretty special. So um if you have not been to a Formula One event, and there will be three next year in the United States uh, out of a record 24 on the schedule for next year, I encourage you to do it. It's, uh, it's a very unique motorsports experience, a very unique sports experience. It's a good time for the sport in this country as it continues to gain some interest and, uh, and sponsorship from American companies. Uh, so I'm, I'm very psyched to uh, be in a cool town in Austin and to... Uh, see a cool event this weekend that's great and i'm looking forward to hearing this big news because i know how hard you've been working on this client interesting when you look um you know before austin came onto the schedule um there hadn't been a u.s based race since 2005 i believe with indianapolis so it speaks to um, the importance of the u.s market it speaks to the growth of growth of formula one and you're right it is a great event if you have an opportunity to go to formula one race by all means do it um it's it's a spectacle, unlike many other events. Um, I'm continuing to watch Major League Baseball. Interestingly, um, Phillies and Bryce Harper against uh, Manny Machado and the, and the San Diego Padres. Sometimes the teams that spend a lot of money do uh, wind up going further in the playoffs. And then tonight, of course, my beloved New York Yankees pushed to the brink of Game 5 against the Cleveland Guardians um, with uh, the hopes – that the Yankees will prevail and go on to play um, the much hated, at least in this area, Houston Astros. It has been a great playoff so far. And I do want to say congrats on the Yankees winning that game. Garrett Cole came through last night and your jets. I mean, my goodness. Um, uh, And now both New York teams just absolutely um, owning the green Bay Packers. I mean, it's been wild back to back weeks. I love that as a, as a Bears fan, which is not a fun thing to be this year. Uh, but yeah, good good time for uh, for sports fans in New York City, huh? Yeah, to play meaningful games into November, and I'm not being facetious here, has not always been the case recently for the Jets or the Giants. Um, and so I went, you know my uh, predilection for prediction. Um, That's good. I, I like that one. I just came up with that, by I the way. Um, I went out on a very short limb yesterday and just said the Jets are a legitimate playoff contender. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs at this point, but they're a legitimate playoff contender at four and two. And the Giants are playing in a division, right, where uh, where the Eagles have so far 
remained undefeated. I don't think that will happen for the rest of the year. And Dallas is is good again. And and um, unfortunately, the you know for the Commanders, they are sort of bringing up the the back of the NFC East, but it is no longer the NFC least. Um, Correct. Which you couldn't say for many years. So yeah, so it's fun to it's fun to be a football fan in New York this this season. That's for sure. I do so, see a new theme song coming up for predilection for prediction. Well, I I will predict that you will write a catchy piece of music for it as you are wont to do. So uh, with that, let me say goodbye. Let me say goodbye to you, David, my co-host. Safe travels uh, to Austin. Let me say goodbye to our listeners. It's you people who um, you know drive us to do what we do every week on this show. So we hope you enjoy it. We do really appreciate it. Um, and if you like what you hear, share it, um, like us, let your friends know about it. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to J.W. Cannon, American Cancer Society, who has a pretty significant social following um, for, for sharing some of our content uh, more than one time. So, J.W., thank you for that. Till next week, he's DP and I'm McGee.